Good morning, brothers and sisters. It's Father's Daughter. And um, I just wanted to say that I hope everything is going well in each and every one of your lives and that you're seeking God and putting him first in your life. This world, as we see, is day after day, there's crazy things that are happening. And we look at it like, what is going on? It's time now, how t- it's time now more than ever that we seek the face of God. And we stay in his presence and not only his presence, but we have a relationship with him. Because as we saw in the Bible, when Jesus was, Jesus was in the presence of several people, several types of people, even the the Pharisees, the Sadducees, um, and just being in the presence of God doesn't change you. It's when you start building a relationship and understanding who God is that you truly, truly find find that you have a change with inward change of your heart the heart of stone turns from stone into a heart of beating flesh when we seek and spend time in God's word so this this series that we'll be um talking about right now um is going to be exodus and what I wanted to do was before each um before each message is to give you an idea of what we're going to be studying. So if you would like to go ahead and read for yourself, then it it makes it easier for you to understand. Um, so this is just a heads up of what we're going to be talking about. And that's going to be Exodus chapter one, chapters one through four. And I hope that you um, take time out and read, begin to read for yourselves. And hopefully um, as I complete my study with God, the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ sitting at my table as we go through these passages, so will you. And the message that God has for each and every one of us will be made plain and known. I thank you all for listening. God bless each and every one of you. And remember that your soul matters to God and you are important. And I love you. Be blessed. Good morning and hello, brothers and sisters. It's Father's Daughters and I bring you greetings. Pray that you are being blessed. Pray that you are being in good health. And that God is um, continuing to speak to you, continuing to um, be in your lives, and that you're seeking him each and every day. That you're staying faithful and in the course, and that um, you know that God loves you. He loves each and every one of us. So, um, we were supposed to do Exodus chapter 1 through 4, but God has given, um, impressed me to do a history lesson instead. So before we dive into Exodus chapter one through five, we're going to give this, this history lesson. And it's going to, it's going to be over, um, starting with chapter nine and it's going to go through chapter 17. So it may be a little bit long, but you can pause it, stay with me or, um, break it up into sections. So first let us pray. Lord God, we come to you today saying thank you for another day that um, was a day that wasn't promised to us, but God, you saw forth to give it to us as a gift. And in this gift, Lord God, the blessing of a new day to still be able to use your breath of life. We pray and we ask that you would give us guidance, give us leadership and show us what you will have us do in this day for you. Lord, we don't want, we no longer want to be selfish. We no longer want to be um self-absorbed but we want to exalt your holy name god we want to be what you have called us to be we want to do what you have called us to do we want to go in the places that you have called us to go lord god without fear 
We ask that you will cover us continuously with the blood of Jesus each and every day, Lord God. Beckon us, Lord God, with your Holy Spirit and, and continue to rule and reign in our lives. Consume our minds, consume our, our bodies, consume our beings, Lord God, and with your all-consuming fire, Lord God, we ask that you will burn away anything that is not of you, Lord God, and replace all things with you, Lord God, all those places that we feel like there that there are holes or there are emptiness, Lord God, we ask that you will fill us with your spirit. Lord, take away this, this dirty, rotten flesh, Lord God, because we are sinners. But we are saved by your grace, Lord God. So we ask that you will come to us right now through your spirit. Through Jesus Christ, we believe. So help us to believe, Lord God. Help us to be your vessels. Help me to be your vessel, Lord God, and that these are not my words, Lord God, but they will be your words. That the words spoken will always be nothing but truth. Because for every lie that false prophets tell, they, they have to be held accountable for it, Lord God. So I am so pleased and I am so honored that you are using me for your people. Lord, I ran for too long, but I'm not running any longer. So I ask you that, that you will continuously use me as you see fit. Not as I see fit, but as you see fit, Lord. Your will, not mine. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. So first off, um, the Israelites were not Egyptians. They are not and were not from the land of Egypt, but had come to Egypt during the time of the famine, which we will discuss a little bit later on, like in the next, um, the next podcast. So we're going to start in chapter 9, starting with verses 18 through 27. And they read, Now the sons of Noah who went out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Ham was the father of, the Canaan, uh, father of Canaan. These were the sons of Noah, and from, those, and from these the whole earth was populated. And Noah began to be a farmer, and, was, and he planted a vineyard. Then he drank of the wine and was drunk and became uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two, his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and went backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away and they did not see their father's nakedness. So Noah woke up from his wine and knew that his younger son knew what his younger son had done to him. Then he said, Cursed be Canaan. A servant of servants, he shall be to his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, and may he dwell in the tents of Shem, and may Canaan be his servants. So if we notice here in these verses where, Shem, where Ham is mentioned, even before he sinned against father, he is referred to, the, referred to as the father of Canaan. God tends to repeat things often when he wants us to remember, especially later on in the scriptures, later on in verses. It's like, pay attention to this, pay attention to this, pay attention to this. So he repeats it. As we journey through the scriptures, we will see that the descendants of Ham were, a wicked, were wicked nations. But then the apple don't fall too far from the tree either. So... They didn't fear, nor did they reverence God as a true and living God, but instead they worshiped creation versus the creator. Ham knew firsthand the power and the majesty of God and how gracious God would be, can be, and is. 
Him just as his brothers had seen firsthand the saving grace of God. Him was on the ark and was saved from the destruction that was placed, was given to the people from in the flood. But he chose not to live according to the ways of the Lord. He and his descendants did not worship God, but instead idols and made abominable sacrifices to false gods. So this is the, the lineage and the just of Ham and Canaan and the Canaanites. And we can go further into later on the different tribes, the different nations that spawned from Ham. So we're going to go now into chapter 11. And in chapter 11, we see that um, Noah blessed his sons, Ham and Japheth. And they were the eldest two sons. And customarily back in the time, the, the biggest blessing in the land and the wealth and the inheritance would be given to the firstborn son. And that would be Shem. So in Genesis 11, starting with verse 10, it gives us the lineage of Shem and it tells us of his descendants. Abram is a descendant and is the great, 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 great grandson of Shem. In other words, he is the 10th generation of Shem and the 11th generation of Noah. Journey with me now into chapter 12. In Genesis 12, verses 2 through 3, God makes a promise to Abram and he says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in all your families and all the families of the earth shall be blessed in, in, in through him. So Abraham's wife is, is Sarah, Sarah and she's barren and she can't have kids. So God still makes a promise to Abram and tells him that he will be the father of many nations, even though his wife is barren. He tells him that he will have descendants and he will give them the land of the Canaanites. And we know that the Canaanites or his family members of the, on the side of Ham. So that, that was a wicked nation. So God is going to give him the territory and the possessions of those who are wicked. Now we're going to skip um, a little bit to um, chapter 15. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 15 and we're going to start in verse 1. This is going to be kind of quick and it's just like a synopsis of what's going on that's going to lead us up to what's happening in Exodus chapter 1 through 4. So this is just a background of what's going on leading up to that point. So we see that it's after the flood. We got Noah and Noah has three boys and his boys are told by God that they will repopulate the earth. We see that one of the sons, Ham, is not the best son because first of all, he goes and he goes in and he sees that his daddy is uncovered. He's naked and he instead of covering him or not looking upon him, he goes out and he tells his brothers. His brothers have decorum about themselves, so they go in backwards and cover him up. Noah finds out, and then what happens? He curses the son that has done the wickedness, but he blesses the other two. From that, we see that Ham is the father of wicked nations, such as Canaan, and it'll give us more further, on, further down. And then we see that Shem is... 
the great, 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 great grandfather of Abram. So we see the blessings coming through the lineage of Shem. Chapter 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of God came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid. Abram, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Elijah of Damascus. Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one is born in my house is my heir. And also, let me go back. Um, So the ones, the chapters that we skipped, if you go back into the the podcast, um, as in the days of Noah and Lot, that will give you some more of the account of the the accountability that was happening then, because that just tells us if there was um there was a war that was happening in uh, Lot, which is Abraham Abram's nephew, was captured. So it'll it'll tell more detail in that podcast if you guys haven't already listened to it you can go back and listen so that's why i'm skipping some because it's already been introduced so where was i chapter three i mean verse three then abram said look you have given me no offsprings indeed one born in my house is heir and behold the word of the lord came to him saying this one shall not be your heir but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look now towards the heavens at the stars and count the stars. If you are blessed to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And the Lord, and, and he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit. So right here, God is prophesying over the life of Abram. And, and check this out. In verse one, it says, after these things, the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. So Abraham is having a conversation with Jesus as he reassures him of the promises that were made. Don't believe me? Okay, let's look at. John chapter one, verses one through five, and then verses 14 through 18. And then it'll explain what God gave me, the word of God. I'm gonna wait for you to get there. In the beginning, starting with John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Slip down to verse 14 and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we behold, we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me for he was before me. 
and of his fullness, we have all received of grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but the grace of truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The begotten son, only the begotten son, who is in the bosom of the father, he has declared of him. So we know from these verses that the word of God is none other than Jesus Christ. I know that's exactly how I felt when I was reading. It was like, wow, how did I miss this all the times that I've read this? But once you start reading the word of God and reading the word of God is reading the word of God. It's like you get more and you get more and he feeds you more and he opens your eyes to see more in depthly deeper into his word. I just wanted to share that with you guys that he was talking to Jesus, Abram, Jesus Christ was talking to Abram. Abram was talking to Jesus Christ. Genesis chapter 15, verses 13. Then he said to Abram, now certainly that your descendants will be strangers in the land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them 400 years. And also the nation whom that, that whom they serve, I will judge afterward. They shall come out with great possessions. Now, as for you, you shall. Now, as for you, you shall be your father. You shall go to your father's in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age, but the fourth generation, they shall return here for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet come. So the Amorites are also a nation spun off by the descendants of Ham. So if you just keep following me and you'll see what God is doing here. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, to the river Euphrates, the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the the Kadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Raphims, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. So we see here in these passages that Abraham is being prophesied to. None of these things that were spoken have yet come to pass, but Jesus gives Abraham a prophetic word over his life. Not only his life, but the lives of his descendants after him. We will see as we continue to study the word of God that the word spoken to Abraham from the Lord Jesus Christ did indeed come to pass. So when God speaks a word, when Jesus speaks a word over your life, you can, you can cash that check and spend it because you know for certain that if it's a prophetic word from God, that it, it is true. So Abraham, we, we see that Abraham's wife is barren. He don't have any kids. But God has promised him. Jesus has come personally and talked to him and told him that this is what's going to happen. And in chapter 16, Abraham's wife still has not conceived. And it has been 10 years since God has come. Jesus has come and promised him this. So she tells Abraham, see, this is what we mess up as as mortals, as human beings. We mess up and we start listening to other people. This is what Abraham did. So he listens to his wife, Sarah, who tells him, okay, well, we ain't had no kids. We don't have a kid. So God must have mean that he didn't mean me. He must have meant through me, through Hagar, 
So she gives Abraham Abram Hagar to wife. Now this 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 type of instance sounds really familiar because it's a lot like Adam. Now Abraham then sat there and he didn't stood there and he didn't had talk to, to Jesus. He didn't talk to the Lord himself. But then he goes and he gives the information to his wife, Sarah. And what does Sarah do? She's, she's, she's like, well, it, it couldn't have been me. We got to get away from naysayers and we have to stay on with the promises of, of God. When God gives us a promise, we have to listen to the word of God and stop listening to any and everything else that does not go with and according to the word of God. We have to stay in the promises of Jesus. Because then we lose, we, we get off course and that ain't what God had us going. And then we, we, we lose focus. We lose sight of what we're supposed to be doing. And we start getting into self. This sounds a lot like Adam. Who had had the conversation with God. And what did he do? He listened to his wife. The same thing Abraham, the same thing Abram done. Abram listened to his wife and went into Hagar and she conceived and Sarah gets upset. Wow. Just like mankind to get upset. She didn't told him to do something. He didn't listen to her and she gets mad. Not only is she mad, she's mean to Hagar. Mind you, Hagar is her servant. She's doing what she told her to do. But now she's mad because she's done something. See, we got to listen to God. Once we follow God's word, God's word is perfect. His plan for us is perfect. We don't have to deal with all this confusion. God is not a God of confusion. He is not the author of it. But then what happens is there's an, an angel comes, an angel of the Lord comes to, to Hagar and he gives her comfort. And he gives her a prophetic word over her life. And this is in verse 11 and 12 of chapter 16. And it reads, and the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are with child and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has heard your affliction. He shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Now this, this happened. And so God is letting her know that like, yeah, this, this, he's giving a comfort. And this wasn't what was supposed to happen. Now, this wasn't my plan. However, it happened. This was man's plan. Sometimes, most times, man's plan for our lives ain't what God planned for us. But if we stay in the hands and the plan of God, then we won't have all this confusion. But somehow, somehow God still loves us, even in the midst of our destructive nature. And he sends a word to pull us out of the darkness. Hagar, Hagar has, ends up having the son for Abram. And as prophesied to her, they, they name him Ishmael. And at this time, Abram, Abram is 86 years old. So 13 years later in chapter 17, Abram is 99 years old and the Lord appears to him again. And he says to him in verse one, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and I will multiply you exceedingly. Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, now let's pause right here for a second. What is a covenant? Do we know what a covenant is? Well, according to 
the the dictionary or according to definition of a covenant it is an, a, in the in the biblical stance it is an agreement or a commitment between God and his people so when we see covenant we should just just realize that that is an agreement between God and his people so verse 4 as for me behold my covenant my agreement between you you and me says God you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you, not, not Abraham had made him. What did God say? For I, God, hath made him a father of many nations. That's our problem. It, we, we, we always want to put I, 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 me, 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 and replace God with ourselves. But God is perfect and his plan for our lives is perfect. So when we follow him, there, there's, it's, it's simpler. We need to remove I and me and replace that with God always. Verse six says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between you and me and your descendants after you. In their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. So the Lord is telling Abraham what he's going to do on his part of the agreement. What he is committed to. He says his covenant is everlasting. We know that everlasting doesn't mean just like part time, a little bit here, a little bit there. But it means continuously forever. So. This covenant that the Lord is making is a long-term, never-ending, forever and ever-ever commitment that the Lord con continues to speak in verse 8, where he says, Also, I will give to you a and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all, not part of, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. And it continues. And God said to Abram, as for you, you shall keep my covenant. You and your descendants after you throughout their generations. So God is told Abraham his part of the covenant. Now he's telling Abram, Abraham what his part is. He continues in verse 10 and 11 where he says, this is my covenant which ye shall keep between me and you. And your descendants after you, every male child among you shall be circumcised. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin. And it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male child in your generations. He was born in your house or bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendants. He who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money must be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people for he has broken my covenant. Now, this is deeper than just a foreskin type of fleshly thing. What God is saying here to us is like, why does this have anything to do with me, Father's daughter? Well, it's because it's about the flesh. Once we, if we want to 
be away from God and his promises, stand out of his grace and mercies, then we stay in our flesh. But when we want to seek God more, we got to slosh away this fleshly behavior and become more spiritual by giving away the flesh and becoming God's people through the spirit. It's deeper than the surface level. It's a deeperness when God's word is being spoken. He's speaking these words. These ain't coming from no random person. This is coming out of the mouth of God. And we know that God's promises are indeed true. Verse 15, then God says to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai anymore, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and, and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be from her. So God again is prophesying again in both their lives, both Abraham and Sarah. Not only did he prophesy, but he gave them a new name so that when people start calling them, the promises will be spoken through their, through their name. Come on, man. God, he's strategic and he does things purposed for a reason. So now when, instead of being called Abram, he's called Abraham. Why? Because God has promised him something. So whenever he hears the name Abraham, Abraham, he should remember God's promise. Just like Sarah. When Sarah was Sarah, she was Sarah. But now God has given her a promise and changed the name so that every time somebody says Sarah, it's called, they're speaking prophetically over their lives. Come on, brothers and sisters, this is really deep. And I see why God had us go back and take a history lesson. He does so many things for them through spoken word. God is speaking straight up prophecy in the lives of both Sarah and Abraham. And he makes it carry over onto the people. So when everybody, anybody else says, Sarah, Abraham, that's the promises of God. Verse 17. Then Abraham fell on his face. And laughed and said in his heart, shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? But look at what Abraham does after God spoke to him. He does as many of us do. When God promises us things, promises us treasures, promises us health, promises us strength, gives us a promise, a prophetic word in our life, do we receive it or do we reject it in laughter? But we, we should understand that when we receive a prophetic word, a word that is truly spoken from God over our lives, we should receive it. Abraham laughed and he questioned God in his heart. Brothers and sisters, we have fallen time and time again on our faces and laughed too. But we can honestly say we weren't laughing for long because God said it, he meant it, and his words and his promises came to pass in spite of what we believed, how we thought about it. God said, I said it, I don't lie. So guess what? Whether you believe it or not, that's what's going to happen. It will come to pass. 
And what happens is a lot of us don't understand that we're standing and we're living, we're breathing from the promises of our forefathers, from our ancestors, our grandma, great grandma, great. God had made them a promise that we shall live and not die in where we are still yet breathing. So this is what Abraham says, because he, he still ain't quite there on the same page as God. He says, this is what he says to God. Oh, that Ishmael might live before you? Did, is that what God said, Abraham? Come on, Abraham. That ain't what God said now, is it? No, it's not. It's as if Abraham is hearing God, but he surely ain't listening. He sure ain't listening to the words that's coming out of his mouth. It's like he's not receiving fully what God is saying. So God has to clarify to him what he's saying and what he meant. He says, I promised you years ago. What I said is in fact what I meant. We get ourselves in situations through our own hands, not waiting on God, not, not having the patience to wait on him, but, we, but God's timing is perfect and it is on time. God had to let Abraham know what was, what was, what, what was, what he said is in fact that what he meant. Abraham was not in control. It wasn't about Abraham's hand on thing, but it was a fact though that God was in control and his hand and his promises was on Abraham's life. He made him a promise and he was it, he surely intended to keep it. Verse 19. Then God said, No. Abraham, stop tripping. No, Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him. For an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I've heard you. Behold, I will bless him, and he will be, and I will make him fruitful and multiply him exceedingly. He shall begat twelve princesses, and I will make him a great nation. He's being he does another prophetic word. He says, I Ishmael wasn't the one I promised. However, I'm still going to make him fruitful and multiply him, and he shall have twelve princesses. And this we can see later on throughout the chapters as we continue throughout the history, possibly in the next podcast, that this, this comes to pass. Verse 21, but my covenant I will establish with Isaac, who Sarah shall bear to you at a set time next year. So God had to be like, hold up, Abraham, you are not listening. I said I would give you a son with your wife. I would not, not with anybody else, but with Sarah. That's who I said. Not with Hagar, not with Pamela, not with Lucy. Sarah, I made a promise and I'm keeping my part of the promise. Whether you, I made an agreement. And our agreement was that I, a son you would have with your wife. Yes, I understand what you're saying, Abram, Abraham. And I will bless your other son, Ishmael. But my promise, the promise that I made them years ago, that was with Isaac. That was a promise that I was going to give you through your wife. But ain't this like us to tell God how to do his job? God, I need you to do this. I need you to do this this way. I know you said this, but this is how I need you to do it. Ain't that funny? We get so impatient and end up listening to everyone but God who has already written what shall be and has told us what will be. 
But we take it upon ourselves and rush into to things that become a hot mess. And the key is for us to trust in him, to wait on him and believe in him that God's word is true. And when he speaks prophetic words over our lives and into our lives, we must wait on him to do what he said he was going to do. It's, it's, it's that simple. But it's like the circumcision of the flesh that Abram, that Abram and God was talking about. We got to circumcise this flesh of ours and stand on the promises of Jesus. We have to wait because his timing is always the best timing. And we're going to we're going to stop right there for this for this beginning of the history lesson. But I I, I challenge you guys to read chapters 18, 18 through 20 of Genesis. Read that on your own. And you can also revisit um, as in the days of Noah podcast and it will give more in-depth on what's going on those of you that haven't listened to it i i advise you to because it gives a little more detail because we're not going to go over the chapters of 18 through 20 because it's kind of introduced already but we will pick back up on the next podcast and continue with our history lesson as god has instructed for me to do and as he's instructed that show that is what i would do because i'm just his vessel and i do as the lord has instructed so guys i would like for you to remember that we have history and the Israelites had history and we have to understand why things are happening. And God is a good God and he explains stuff to us and he has us to go back and read these chapters and study these chapters collectively as a whole, because that's the kind of God we serve that no one be left out that we all be on one accord this is so that the babes in christ and those who are not familiar with the biblical history of the tribes can see and understand what exactly is going on and why and unlike me growing up it wasn't an explanation it was like well, let's read this scripture and i'm gonna read these verses and then i'm gonna go into this so god is is he's got a different type of format it's like he wants you to learn and understand who he is and why he does what he does when he does it not only in the past tense, but in our lives right now. Why are things happening right now in this world today? So brothers and sisters, I hope that you remember that your soul matters to God. Hence, YSM 316. Because he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, who gave up himself, who sacrificed, who was sacrificed on Calvary's cross for us, for you, for me, for all of us, for the world, for those who believe. He loves us all with an everlasting love. His promises and his prophecies are true. You are important and loved with outstretched arms, nailed to an old rugged cross on Calvary with Jesus Christ, the lamb that was slain. Our high priest who died, who rose and who lives again and reigns in heaven and shall return for each and every one of us that believes. So guys, I, I challenge you to stay faithful. Keep the course. Be ready, stay ready, and stay in God. Keep the oil in your lamps, which is the Holy Spirit, and trust and believe in Jesus Christ. Be blessed, children of God. Hello, brothers and sisters. I know it's been a been a little while, but um, I'm happy to be back.
And I pray that God is still keeping you guys and that you are seeking his face. As we um, go over everything tonight, I would like first like to say happy Sabbath because it is Friday. Preparation day, February the 19th. It's been a rough week for most of us. Um, it's been a lot of power outages or electrical outages. Because every time I say power outages, God just, through the Holy Spirit, just like, no, the power's not out because I am power. And every time I would say that the lights are out, God was like, through the Holy Spirit, no, the, the light isn't out. My light shall still burn in my people. So I had to correct myself and say the electricity was out um, for most of us. And some people didn't have um, a lot of the essentials for for living. But I just praise God and give him all honor and glory for the fact that he kept us. Some people didn't make it through this, this storm, but God kept us. And I just want to tell him thank you for that and for keeping each and every one of you. I pray that you guys are still seeking the word of God and that you're staying in his presence. Um, before we start and continue in our history lesson, I just wanted to start by praying. So we'll pray. Father God, we come to you giving you thanks and honor and praise and glory. And just, we would just want to say thank you. Thank you for keeping us safe. Thank you for keeping us warm. Thank you for keeping us sheltered. Thank you for keeping us surrounded. Thank you for keeping us um, with your breath of life in our bodies. Thank you for your light, Lord God, and thank you for your power. Because without your light, Lord God, and without your power and without your breath of light, we would not be able to be. So Lord, we thank you, first of all, for giving us life. We thank you for keeping us, for sustaining us, and we thank you for your hands of mercy and grace. Lord, even when we are not feeling our best, Lord God, that we may be a little weary or tired. Lord, I thank you for keep keeping us propelled forward, looking forward to being with you, Lord. I thank you for your Holy Sabbath day, and I thank you for your word, and I thank you for your rest. Lord, you are awesome, and this 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 road may seem lonely. It may seem sometimes like, you're all alone and we're all alone. But Lord God, I know that you are with us because you continuously remind me that I am never alone. And guys out there, I want you to, Lord, continuously remind all of us, those out there listening, those who feel like they may be by themselves, Lord. Let them know that you are with them. Let them feel your presence. Let them feel your grace. Let them feel your mercies. Let them feel your compassion and kindness lord we can't do anything in these days to come or these months to come these even these hours and seconds to come without you lord god we can do nothing in our own own strength and within ourselves so lord, i thank you for keeping us i thank you for holding us i thank you for loving us thank you for giving your son jesus christ to die on calvary's cause for my sins for a sinner like me undeserving lord so that I may live with you in heaven when your son Jesus returns. Lord, be with us now as we study your word. Help us to have wisdom that only you can give. 
Help us to have understanding that only you can give. Help us to understand clearly like only you can give. Present us with your word. Fill us with your Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So the last time, um, we are still going to be in Genesis and continue with the history lesson. So we skipped over a couple chapters because it was talking about um, Sodom and Gomorrah with Lot. And there's a podcast um, series, As in the Days of Noah and Lot. And that covers primarily that aspect of things. So we won't re-tap into it. We're just going to go ahead and we're going to start in Genesis chapter 20. And we're going to start there. And this is um, continuously talking about Abraham and the history of Abraham. And so in chapter 20, it begins reading. And I'm reading out of the KJV most of the, most times I'm going to be reading out of either King James or the NKJV because those are just the, the Bibles that I prefer, um, the translations that I prefer. So we'll begin reading at verse 1, and it reads, And Abraham journeyed from there to, to the south and dwelt between Kadesh and Shear and stayed in Gerar. Now Abraham said to Sarah, his wife, now, now I'm going to read that again. Verse 2. Now Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. And God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Indeed, you are a dead man because the woman whom you have taken for, she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her. And he said, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? Did he not say to me, she is my sister? And did she, and she even, she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and innocence of my hands, I have done this. And we'll start right there. So what's happening is, Abraham and Sarah have gone to this new land. And in the new land is um, Gerar. And he's told Sarah the king that Sarah was his sister. And Sarah co-signed it and said, yeah, that's my brother. And this is familiar because this isn't the first time that we hear of Abraham saying that Sarah is his sister for his own protection. He said it back in uh, Genesis chapter 17 when he was talking to the Pharaoh. I think it's 17. Let me go back and make sure. No, let's go back a little bit further. And it is in Genesis. Chapter 11. No, Genesis chapter 12. Sorry. In verse 11. Chapter 12, verse 11. And it reads, and it came to pass when he was close to entering Egypt that he said to Sarai, his wife, indeed, I know that you are a woman of beauty and beautiful countenance. Therefore, it will happen when the Egyptians see you that they will say, this is his wife and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please 
say you are my sister, that I may be well, that it may be well with me for your sake and that I may live because of you. So this ain't the first time Abram, well, the last time he was named Abram and then remember God changed his name. So Abram lied, who is the same person as Abraham also lied and it's the same lie. So it's like he didn't learn the first time the damages because then the Pharaoh then kicked him out. He didn't kill him. He could have killed him still. But God spared the fact and didn't allow the Pharaoh, that king, to sleep with her. It's like Abraham's not even thinking. Like you're telling these people that your wife is not your wife. She's your sister. Not thinking that you will cause adultery upon your upon your wife. Now, this is this is key to me, and this is kind of interesting because there are some of us that have came into a similar situation as King of Gerer Abimelech in the fact that we come across people in our lives men men and women and and we meet this person and they tell us oh yeah i'm single i don't have anybody um it's just me and then you come to find out later on that they're married and sometimes the line gets crossed and you end up sleeping with that person now you've committed it they've caused you to commit adultery with them but in most cases, God spares us just like he did Abimelech. And he came to Abimelech in a dream and told him, like, no, you can't be doing this. This is not what you can be doing because this is a man's wife. And Abimelech is doing like most of us pleading our case and saying, I'm innocent. They told me, her husband told me and she told me that they were brother and sister. So would you punish me? For the lies that they've told, I was doing it out of innocence and integrity of my heart. So sometimes the things that we do, the lies that we tell affect others. They directly affect them. But praise be to God in this situation and in those situations that we may come across that he prepares us and he warns us not to go further, not to participate in the sin simply because we did it innocently let's go to verse six and god said to him in a dream yes i know that you did this in the integrity of your heart for i also withheld you from sinning against me therefore i did not let you touch her now therefore restore the man's wife for he is a prophet and he will pray for you and you shall live but if you do not restore her know that you're, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. Verse 8, And Abimelech rose early in the morning, called his servants, and told all these things in their hearings. And the men were very much afraid. And Abimelech said to Abraham and said, and said to him, What have you done to us? How have I offended you that you have brought on me and my kingdom a great sin? You have done deeds to me that ought not to be done. So he's asking him like, dude, why, why would you do that? Why would you lie to me about something as serious as the fact that that's your wife? 
do you understand what you did to me what how the damage you could have caused me and my kingdom my people because of your lie if i had slept with your wife dude i'd have been out of there so verse 10 then abimelech said to abraham what did you have in view that you have done this and abraham said because i thought surely the fear of god is not in this place and they will kill me on the account of my wife so god brothers and sisters we can learn from abraham right here in the fact that he assumed something just because you go to a certain situation or a certain place or a certain surrounding you can't assume that just because of where you are the people are a certain way all people ain't the same so he assumed that there was no god in that place just because of where he was he didn't know he made the assumption so he judged those people and that kingdom without even knowing their character we have to be careful not to be like abraham was right here in judging the people that were around we can go to poor communities and automatically assume that the people there are going to rob us we can go to a rich community and feel like or automatically assume that those people are going to do us good we can go to a certain neighborhood a certain geographical location and automatically assume from the stereotypes that are given upon that region that those people are going to behave in a certain way just because you have been brainwashed to believe those things so this is pretty much the case here with abraham he's like well i don't know these people i've heard about what they do so they don't have they don't serve the god that i serve so to be on the safe side and not to get myself killed i'm just gonna lie we can't be like that. We can't assume the worst of people, but we have to always assume the best of people and pray for them. Verse 13, and it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house. So Abraham is still explaining why he did this. Actually, go back to verse 12. So Abraham's still explaining why he did. He's answering the king's question. Verse 12, it says, but indeed, she is truly my sister. She is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. And it came and people may be thinking, oh, my gosh, that's disgusting. But back then, you got to realize that there were certain people that God only allowed to be married. So, for instance, you have you if we'll go back to Genesis. Chapter nine, where it's talking about. Um, when, um, Abraham, I'm not Abraham, Noah's children are being fruitful and multiply and reproduce the earth. You only got three brothers, right? You got these three brothers and their job, them and them, them, them and their wives is to repopulate the earth. So technically they were all related. So we got to look at it like that. And then they were not to stray with other nations, evil excuse me, evil, wicked nations after that because several times they were not to go with the Canaanite women or the Canaanite men and so on and forth, so forth. So in verse, back in 21, actually verse 20, and we're in verse 12, 13. And it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house and I said to her, this is your kindness that you should do for me in every place, wherever we go, say of me, he is my brother. So he's explaining now also why Sarah lied, why Sarah had said what she said, because he told her to. 
Then Amalek took sheep, oxen, and male and female servants and gave them to Abraham. And he restored Sarah, his wife, to him. And, Ab and Ab Abimelech said, See, my land is before you. Dwell where it, where it pleases you. Then to Sarah he said, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. Indeed, this vindicates you. Before all who are with you and before everybody. Thus she was rebuked. And Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his servants, and his female servants. Then they bore children. For the Lord had closed up all the wounds of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. So it's it's amazing the things that God will do. Even sometimes, even we're in the when we're in the wrong, God still protects us, protects us in our foolish, crazy behavior. We do stuff that is just like absolutely stupid. And when we look back like that was so dumb, I can't believe I did that. But even in the midst of our stupidity or our error, God somehow, because he loves us so much, still protects us in those situations and in those times. And I am grateful to God because I made some dumb mistakes. I made some stupid decisions. But even in the midst of my faults and my failures, God has kept me through it all. For a time such as this. And I know plenty of you out there can attest to the same thing. It's like when you look back over your life and remember the things that you have done, both good and bad. Both things that were of God and things that were not of God. It's like, God, I could have been dead, sleeping in my grave. I could have been hurt and harmed in this situation. I could have been this. I could have been that. But God kept me. And it's like you ought to be humble enough, thankful and grateful enough to say, thank you, Lord. Because whereas things could have went totally left field, but this was a God-fearing man, yet and still, even though Abraham made a, made a stereotype, God already knew this man's heart. Now, we're in, in chapter 21. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had promised. And as he had spoken, and she conceived and bore Abraham a son in, her, in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. When Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and all who hear will laugh with me. So... If we remember, Abraham and Sarah was tripping pretty much when God had came and spoke to, prophesied to Abraham about the fact that Sarah would be the one that would give birth to a child. Not Hagar, not someone else, but his wife. He was going to give his wife a child and his, the child that he gave his wife would be the child of promise. So when God makes a promise to us, when God has prophesied something in your life, there's nothing we can do to stop it. There's nothing people can do to stop it. There's nothing that this world can do to stop what God has promised you. It is for you. And when he says he's going to do it, that is when he's going to do it. He even told Abraham that it was going to be a year later. Abraham was 
99 years old and he told him that he was going to have a child a year later and then what happened yes indeed that is exactly what happened and sarah if if we recall when right before the destruction of sodom and gomorrah the lord and the two angels had visited with abram and when he visited he asked where he had asked abram where is sarah and he said she was in a tent and when he mentioned that she was going to give birth to a child, she laughed. And when God asked her, why do you laugh? She said, I, I didn't laugh. That's how we do. It's like when God gives us a promise or when he tells us he's going to do something, it's, we can't understand it. We can't fathom it. We can't, we like, what? Me? Nah, you have got to be kidding. But God's like, I ain't laughing. I'm serious. When I say I'm going to do something, that is exactly what I'm going to do. So it, he's like, Sarah's like, well, God has made me laugh and who and all who hear will laugh with me because no one would believe that Sarah at the age of 89 years old, who had been barren her whole entire life, has now conceived a child and will give birth to a son. But when God says something, it is so. Continuing verse seven and she also said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age. I can tell you who. God. Because God is the one who said it. So the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had bore to Abraham's coffin. Then she said to Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son. For the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. So Sarah is telling Abraham, dude, your other baby mama, you got to kick her out. She got to go. Because her son and my son can't share the same, they, they can't share the same promise. If Isaac is heir, he can't be heir. Be heir. If Isaac is heir, he can't be heir here so she's telling him to kick them out of the the camp and most of us would think that abraham wouldn't be too happy about this and he isn't as we continue to read we'll see that so at verse 11 and the matter was very displeasing in abraham's sight because of his son but god said to abraham do not be do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your bondswoman. Whatever Sarah said to you, listen to her voice. For in Isaac, your seed shall be called. Yet I will also make a nation of the son of the bondswoman because he is your seed. So, as I stated, Abraham's not too enthused about doing what Sarah has asked him to do or what Sarah has suggested that he do with his other son his first yet as we remember ishmael is also his son and if we'll recall sarah is the reason that he even went in and knew hagar in the first place because she didn't believe that god was going to do what god had said he was going to do so she's going to try to fix it herself and in fixing it herself she got her feelings hurt because then she got she see abraham with isaac and abraham is happy because he has this kid and she gets mad at Hagar. And I, 
Abraham tells him, look, you deal with that because this is, you caused this mess. This is what you wanted. So if you want to fix that situation, if you got, you got beef with her because we got a kid together, then you, you deal with that situation. But look what God says. God's, God co-signs with Sarah. He's like, yeah, Sarah's right. Abraham, Sarah's right. Because Ishmael is not the son that I promised you. I told you that you were going to have a son with your wife. Your wife told you to go and do something else. So she's right in the fact that Ishmael is not the son of promise. Isaac is. That's the one I promised you and that's where your descendants will come from. But because Ishmael is your kid... He is your seed. I'm still going to bless him, but it's not going to be in the same way that I have. It's not the, it's not a promise. I'm going to give him a blessing because he's yours, but he's not the one that I promised and prophesied about. Ain't that something? God was, God still chose to bless our seed. His blessed, bless our seeds. Somebody didn't catch that. God still can when you listen to God and do what he asks you to do, he will continue to bless you. Sometimes it's not easy. It's not. It, do you really think it was easy for Abraham to kick his son out? No, it wasn't. That's his, that's his child. But God said that's what he needed to do. Go ahead and listen to your wife. This is the time you need to listen to your wife because this time she's actually right. And I'm going to bless your son too, just because he's yours. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread, verse 14, and skin of water. And putting it on her shoulder, he gave it to the boy. He gave it and the boy to Hagar and sent her away. Then she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water in the skin was used up and she placed the boy under one of the shrubs. Then she went and sat down across from him at a distance of about a bow shot. For she said to herself, let me not see the death of, my, of the boy. So she sat opposite him and lifted her voice and wept. So Hagar is discouraged right here. It's like she's in the wilderness. She only had a little bit of bread and some water and the water then dried up. And she don't want to see, sit there and see her son die. And a lot of us can attest. So Hagar, we're looking at our child or we're looking at our children and we see them and we don't want them to die in their sin. We don't want them to die in the wilderness. We don't want them to die in the situations that they're in. So we don't want to just sit there and watch them. But what, what we got to do is, if we, let's keep on reading verse 17. And God heard her voice. We got to pray. We got to talk to God about it, y'all. And an angel of the of God called Hagar out of heaven and said to her, What ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. God didn't heard what you said, Hagar, is what he's saying. Get up, verse 18, and take the lad by the hand, for he will be a great nation. Verse 19, then God opened up her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water. And gave the lad a drink. Sometimes we don't know that God has already reassured somebody else for our sake. That he's going to take care of us. God couldn't let Ishmael die in the wilderness. When he didn't already promise and told Abraham that hey I'm, I'm going to take care of this kid too. God's not a liar. 
But Hagar didn't know this. But God is true to honor what he said. Verse 20. So God said to the with the lad. God was with the lad. And he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. He dwelt in the wilderness of Paran. And his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. If we recall, Hagar is Egyptian. So she went for what she knew. She's Egyptian. Um, Ishmael is half Egyptian. So who else is she going to take? That's her first native tongue. So of course she's going to go. And she's going to get her son a wife from Egypt. And it came to pass at the time that Abimelech in Pakol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abram saying, God is with you in all that you do. Now, therefore, swear to me by God that you will not deal falsely with me, with my offspring or with my posterity, but that according to the kindness that I have done to you, you will do to me and to the land in which you shall, you have dwelt. And Abraham said, I swear. Then Abraham rebuked Abimelech because of a well of water which Abimelech's servant had seized. So now they got some beef between Abraham and Abimelech. So they were supposed to be on good terms. Abraham, God had told him to bless them, speak blessings over their lives. They had opened up the wombs of all the, the women in his kingdom so they would be able to reproduce. And now... He's taken away the water. Verse 26. And Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, nor have I heard of it until today. So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech. And the two of them made a covenant. So they got a, they, they came to an agreement. And Abraham had sent had set seven ewe, ewe lambs of flocks by themselves. Then Abimelech asked Abraham, what is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs which have you have said by themselves? And he said, you will take these seven ewe lambs from my hand, that there may be my witness that I have dug this well. So he's paying for the well. Like, okay, so as payment for what I'm doing, as my like this is my well, I'm giving you these seven lambs and you can remember and they are a reminder that i dug this well so there's no misunderstanding later therefore he called the place beersheba because the two of them swore an oath there thus they made a covenant at beersheba so abimelech rose with Pakal, the commander of his army and they returned to the land of the philistines or some people say philistines 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 then abraham planted a Tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and there called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines many days. Chapter 22. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And Abraham said, Here I am. Then he said, Take me now, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Morah and offer him there as a burnt offering. One on one of the mountains which I shall tell you. So this is really getting really deep really fast. And this is a this is the last chapter we're going to cover for for this evening and it's uh chapter 22. And this is very a very powerful chapter because this is the chapter that um allows us to see just how God is. Just how him and Abraham became 
friends. And it tells us that God tested him. Some people was like, well, God don't test you and this, that, and the other. But right here it tells us that God tested Abraham. And what he was testing is his faith and his trust in him and his belief and his understanding in him. And it's like God's unfailing love for us. It's like, as we continue to read, you'll get to see some things that's going to be like mind-blowing. So I'll continue reading verse 3. And now we see that God has asked Abraham to take his only son, his only son, Isaac. The only one that he has in his company because Ishmael's gone. So now he had the only son that he has left that he knows where he is, Isaac, and offer him up as a sacrifice. So Abraham rises up early in the morning and he saddles his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to a place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abram lifted up his eyes and saw in the place afar. And Abraham saw his young men. He said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go up yonder and worship and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife and the two of them went together so here he tells his his young men the servants to stay down and keep watch over the the donkey and him and isaac are gonna go up to the mountain for the sacrifice verse seven but isaac spoke to abraham sent his father saying my father and he said here i am my son then he said look the fire and the wood but where is the lamb for the burnt offering where is the lamb for the burnt offering? We're going to come back and cover that. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. So the two of them went together. I'm going to come back now. So this part, seven and eight, is very important. It builds a deeper relationship between God and Abraham. Because here... Abraham is going to see firsthand and start getting the firsthand feeling of how God feels when he has to send his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, the only son that he had conceived to die as a sacrifice, the sacrificial lamb. So Isaac is asking, where's the lamb? Mm. This is deep. Verse 9, then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. So I can, I can imagine with tears in his eyes, carrying out what thus said the Lord, which is to, to slay his only son. Now, firsthand, right here, Verse 10 is where I, where I, Abraham is seeing how God felt. How our Father in heaven felt when Jesus Christ was nailed to the cross. Beaten and bruised for our transgressions as the sacrificial lamb to be slain for my sins. It ain't about nobody else right now. It's about my sins. Jesus Christ died for my sins. So this is this is a, a recap 
a precursor to what Jesus is going to have to go. So this is what God is showing him what Jesus is going to have to go through. Jesus is this lamb in which verse 7 is, where's the lamb? Jesus is the lamb. And when, when it says, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb. Jesus was a lamb that God provided for me and for you. Verse 11 says, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hands on the lad or do anything to him. For now, I know that you fear God. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and therefore beheld him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. So Abraham took, went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, said the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessings I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you descendants as the stars of heaven and the sands which is of the seashore and your descendants shall possess the gates of the enemies. This is God re-reminding Abraham of what I prom remember what I promised you. You're getting it. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because of you because you have obeyed my voice. So because of it took years strategically placing Abraham where he needed to be. But through those steps in the tradition, God don't do anything happenstance. He does things purposed and in order. So Abraham returned to his young men and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham dwelled in Beersheba. Now it came to pass after these things that it was told Abraham saying, Indeed, Milcah also has bore children to your brother Nahor. Cuz his firstborn, Buzz his brother, Kemuel, the father of Aaron, she, Cheshed, Hazo, Bildash, Jedlock, and Bethuel. And Bethuel begot Rebekah, the eighth Milcah. These eight Milcah bore to Nahor, Abraham's brother. His concubine, whose name was Ramah, also bore Tabah, Gaham. Dasha and Maka. And the reason for the lineage, when God puts in a lineage, it's because he's going to let you know something in, within that lineage is important. And from the lineage of Nahor, Abraham's brother, the wife of his son, Isaac, Rebekah, is born in that lineage. Remember back, we, we got to go back. That's what the, they had to take a, a wife from their people. They can take a strange woman. And in order to get an unstrange woman, it has to be a woman. Pretty much in their ancestral lineage. Brother's kid, uncle's kid, so on and so forth. So chapter 22 of Genesis is really important because we see here that God tests Abraham. Not only does he test him. In a way, I like to use the word, does he 
get into a deeper relationship with with Abraham by showing him firsthand how he it's like they be, they get a better they become best friends almost because there's like certain things that you do like me for instance I'll put I'll use me so as far as my best friends there's things that about me that my best friends friend knows especially like this um one of my best friends we've been best friends for like at least 14 15 years and this person knows so much about me and no matter what they know about me my goods my bads my uglies my happy points my sad points it's like i can all i know i can depend on that person to be there for me or or i can tell them anything and it's going to stay right there so with it's kind of like that type of relationship between abraham and god god knows that he can trust abraham and abraham knows that he can trust god to provide because even though he was going to he was willing to give up his only son god stopped him because he was willing to provide for him simply because he would he didn't love isaac more than he loved god god was his god not isaac he loved the creation the creator more than he loved the creation and god honored that some of us get so caught up in our children and we forget that it is God who is the one who supplied those kids and it is God who will take care of those children because first, before they were ours, they're his. He knew them before they were formed in our mother in, in our wombs. So God knows, he cares, and he understands because he's given up, he gave up his only son for our sins so he he understands our pain. He's lost a child. So for those of you out there that have lost children, God knows firsthand how you feel. For those of you that have lost parents, God knows firsthand how you feel because he's lost some, someone before. We Jesus knows our every struggle, our every temptation, because he's gone through the same things that we've gone through. So Abraham was a friend of God because they knew and had an understanding of how the, of each other felt. And I know some of you out there understand what I'm saying because you have friends that you empathize, empathize and you sympathize with simply because of the same similarities of the things that y'all have dealt with. Some of the things that y'all like or participate in, it draws you together. This is what I get and what God has given me from chapter 22 is like, the, I'm like, well, why was Abraham so special? Why was he considered a friend of God? And it's like, I know that he's made, he made mistakes. I make mistakes because sometimes I beat myself up and I feel like I don't deserve God's love, which I don't. I don't deserve to be called a child of God because I made mistakes. But chapter 22 lets me know that actually the genesis period the struggles through with abraham abraham lied abraham was fearful a abraham doubted god he was like oh, okay well you know well ishmael well god was like hold up i didn't say nothing about I, that's not, i said your wife hagar's not your wife that's something you and sarah formulated that was y'all little plan. That's not my plan for your life. That wasn't my plan for your life. That was something you did. My plan and my promise was that you would have a son through your wife. 
understand that God has a purpose and a plan for each and every one of us. And if we follow his purpose, his plan, we may not be perfect, but if we continuously, diligently continue to seek God and trust in him above all things, he will be there and he will supply each and every one our need. He will provide. Brothers and sisters, I hope that this history lesson was um, interesting as well as it was informative and you got something out of it. And we will continue a little bit further um, the next time. And I, hope, I pray to God that it won't be as long as this last one had been. And we'll um, go over the study of, we'll get more into who the older version of Isaac his his wife his children and we'll start in that that area so we're going to start in chapter 23 and then we're going to continue from there i pray that you guys are um continues to be to be blessed remember always that your soul matters and that god loves you more than anything be blessed hello brothers and sisters it's father's daughters and i've been praying for you guys and i pray that you um have been receiving God's blessings, his anointing on your life, and you have been standing up for him, that you are continuously studying in your word, and we're going to study together, which makes studying the Bible so much better, to have a group or to just be studying in it with someone or to hear the word of God from a different perspective as he presents it to someone else. So today, we're going to continue in the series of Genesis, and we're going to go through chapter 23, 24, and most of 25. Maybe we'll get to the end of it, but it's, it's not my will, but the will of God. I am his vessel, and he uses me as he sees fit, and I will allow him to use me in the way that he sees fit for this segment of our podcast. So before we do anything, let us pray. Father God, we come to you right now, and we thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for... um continuously to to give us life give us strength give us good health lord god we thank you for sound minds and we thank you for nourished bodies we thank you for um just another day we thank you for those people that you have surrounded us with and placed in our lives that we may be held accountable or we can hold each other accountable for the things that we may fall short in and just even though we fall short and we may hold each other accountable lord i thank you that you Allow us to also pick one another up. We know that we fall sometimes and we fall short of your grace and your mercy. And we are so grateful and thankful that Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, died on Calvary's cross for us and our sins. Lord, we ask that you will be with us now. Be the master of ceremony here as we study this, your word. Lord, continue to enlighten us on the history lessons of the Israelites, as well as show us how this is relevant and realistic for us today lord god we ask that you will just be with us now present us with your word give us your words lord god not mine help your servant to do your will in jesus name lord i ask that if no if anyone's out there that is feeling um under the weather or or sick or has a family member that is sick lord god i know that you are a healer i ask that you will touch those who may be feeling down and discouraged lord god i ask that you will lift them up right now Lord, I also ask that you will just continue to cover your people. Lord, we, we present this petition to you that you will not 
lay those plagues of the world upon us, Lord God, because you said in your word that you wouldn't do that to us, Lord God, that you will not place the plagues of this world upon your people. So Lord God, we cry out to you right now, asking you to keep your healing hands, your loving hands and your tender grace and mercies upon us, Lord God. Show us your the ways that we should walk in, Lord God. Show us the ways that we should talk in, Lord, be our voice, be our mind, Lord God, be our steps and um, guide us each and every day, we pray in your son Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So we are going to start here in Genesis chapter 23 and continue through Genesis. Um, Like I said, we're going to go from chapter 23 to most of 25. So in chapter 23, it starts with, and as as always, or as most of the time, we're going to say always, I'm going to be reading for the, from the King James version. Um, So follow along in your versions and I will be skipping here and there, but we will get the gist of what the chapter is about. So here in verse one, it's telling us that Sarah is 127 years old and she dies. Not only does she dies, but her and her husband and their child and and their um, manservants and all of their 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 um, household is in a land that is not theirs. It is in a region that they don't own. It is not the land that is in their possession, but it belongs to someone else. So when Sarah dies, Abraham has to go and ask the the people who actually own the land for a place to bury Sarah. So as we read, we see in verse two that Sarah died in Kajoth Arba. And I may have messed that up because these are words that are not of my familiarity. But I'm going to say that again. She died in Kajoth Arba. The same is, is Hebron in the land of Canaan. So she died in Hebron and Abraham came to mourn her. And to weep for her because that's his wife. So he had to go and he had to stand before um, the sons of Heth, Heath or Heth, who is in, who basically are the rulers of that land. And he goes to them and this is his plea. He says, I am a stranger and a sojourner with you. Give me permission and a burying place with you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. And the children of Heth answered Abraham saying unto him, hear us, my Lord. Thou art a mighty prince among us in the choice of our subtural burying places. Bury thy dead. None of us shall withhold from thee his subtural, but that thou mayest bury the dead. So what they're saying is, okay, Abraham, like you, you're a prince among us. Like we respect you. We honor you. We, um, we look at you as like, like family, so to speak. We know you're not of our of our clan or anything. It's like, well, we give you respect. You don't bother us. We don't bother you. So we give you permission to bury your dead. And when we go down to verse 7, it says, And Abraham stood and he bowed himself to the people of the land, even to the children of Heth. And he communed with them, saying, It is, if it be your mind that I should bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and entreat for me, to Ephraim, the son of Zohar, that he may give me a cave in Machpelah, which he hath, which is in the end of the field for as much money as it is worth. 
So what he's telling them is he's like, okay, yeah, I understand that, but I don't want to be in debt to you. He said, so I respect you too, but I need you to go before uh, Ephraim and let him know that I want to, I, I want to buy a piece of property in the cave. So as burial grounds for my wife and for my people, for my, just in case anybody else dies, that'll be like, you know, like how some, some people buy burial plots. So they're not dead, but and just in case something happens is like a family plot. So they may have like three plots of land for mom, dad, and the kids or whatever. So they will be buried in the same place. So this is kind of the same, pretty much the same connotation that is going on here. He's, he's trying to buy a burial plot for his wife as well as for futuristic uh, purposes. So when we go to verse 11, it says, Nay, my Lord, hear me, the field give I thee and the cave that is therein. I give it to thee in the presence of my sons and of my people give I thee, bear thy dead. And Abraham bowed down before him and the people and he spake unto Ephraim in the audience of the people of the land saying, but if thou wilt give me, I pray thee, hear me, I will give thee money for the field. So don't give it to me for free or nothing. It's like, I don't just want to take the land. I'm going to pay you for it and it'll be mine. So we won't have any, um, we won't have no confrontation later. It's my land. It's my burial property. It's my plot. So later on down the line, it's mine with, with no drama. In verse 15, it says, my Lord hearkening to me, the land is worth 400 shekels of silver. That is that betwixt me and thee, bury therefore thou dead. And Abraham hearkened to Ephraim and Abraham weighed the, the silver and he gave it to them. And so basically he pays for the property, the land, the burial site. And he buries his wife in the caves in Machpelah before memory, which is in Hebron, which is also in the land of Canaan, which is where Sarah is buried. And then we go over to Genesis uh, chapter 24 and it, it um it just tells us okay we know Sarah is about 10 years younger than Abraham so if Abraham is i mean if Sarah died she was 127 so that gives us an estimated guess of Abraham being about 137 give or take just from us knowing previously their age difference and then we'll start reading in, in Genesis chapter 24 if you guys are following along with me and it reads, and Abraham was old and well stricken in age. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of the house that ruled over all that he had put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. And I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the Lord and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. So he's making his head servant, his like the, 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 the leader, so to speak of his household, the top servant. So just say in our days, you have a, you're at a, you own a business and then you have the CEO of the company. Then you have people that works under them and works in it. And, and so you own the company, but you got the president of the company, the vice president of the company and the CEO, the, and so on and so forth. So it's like Abraham is going to his, he owns everything, but then he's going to his 
to the president of his company and he's saying hey i need you to make a promise to me so that's kind of how the the reign of leadership kind of goes if we look at it in this day and age so he goes to him and he 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 takes tells him to make him a promise to swear to him that even though they're in this land of the Canaanites, Abraham already knows that they're not supposed to intermix with the Canaanites. Because if we, we think back to where we were talking about in previous podcasts, they weren't supposed to mix the, um, with strange women. So this would be a strange woman because they don't worship the same God. They don't have the same beliefs, the same practices where they worship idols. Abraham was told by God, we don't do that. He had conversations with God and he knew firsthand that that's not what God would want for his promised child. So as we continue to read, we see that he says, and I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and of the God of earth, that thou shalt not make my wife unto the sons of the Canaanites, who where, like where I'm at, but thou shalt go to my unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife until my son Isaac. So he know he's sick. He's getting older. Well, now he's not necessarily sick, but he knows he's getting up in age. And because he's getting up in age, he's not going to be just able to just up and travel and go to his home country or to the land of his, um, his people and get a wife or receive a wife for his son he he can't just go by himself because he knows he can't travel like that so what he does he entrusts this task to his the president of his company and he makes him promise hey if something happens to me don't don't let my son marry one of these women because that's not what god wants for him verse six and abraham said unto him beware thou that Thou bring not my son thither again. The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and which spake unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, Until thy seed I will give this land, he shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. So don't get no wife from from here. Like he may be interested or looking at someone, but don't you let my son marry none of these strange women go all the way take the journey and get him a wife that god would be pleased with and he says not only that god is gonna god has already promised me that he's gonna do things that no one no man can understand so when you go god's already gonna prepare the way for you anyway so he's gonna send his angels to take care of the situation so it ain't even gonna be that big of a issue is not going to be that big of a problem because god is our god has already ordained this union so it's going to be simple i can't go but you're going to go in my stead and do what the and do what thus said the lord for me on my on my behalf because god and abraham had this this agreement and this understanding they were friends and we know that because in the in a couple chapters back there was Something God had asked him. He told him to take his only son to the mountain and sacrifice him. He was going to be the sacrifice for the sins of the people, which we found out through God in his Holy Spirit that that was him seeing and showing 
Abraham what he was going to have to do when he sent Jesus Christ, God's only son, to die for our sins. And when Abraham did not withhold his son from God as his sacrifice, God knew then that Abraham trusted God more than anything. He knew that Abraham loved him more than anything and that he was willing to do what God had asked him to do simply because he loved him. And simply because he knew that God would not do anything to harm him, but only to help and bless him. So they got a a closer relationship from that moment. So Abraham knew that, hey, I'm getting up in age. I won't be able to go, but you go for me. And God has got my back because we cool. And if God told me he was going to do something for my seed, then guess what? I know I can trust him. So what the servant did, he put, he, he swore to Abraham, he put his hand under his thigh like he asked and he swore to him concerning the matter in which he had spoke of. And Abraham gets him all, you know, gives him what he needs for the travel and he goes on his way. And if we read in verse 10, it says, and the servant took 10 camels of camels of his master and departed for all the goods of his master were in his hands. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia near unto the city of Nahor. And he made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water at the time of the evening, even the time that women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, I pray thee send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by this well of water. And the daughters of men of the city come out and draw water and let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall lay, say, lay down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink and she shall drink and I will give thy camel drink also. Let this same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac and therefore shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. So the servant is like, He's praying to God on the on behalf. He's like, okay, well, I don't know what to do, Lord. I don't want to mess up. I don't want to go and get the wrong person. But you know exactly who it is that you have ordained to be unified with my master son, Isaac. I don't know, Lord, but you know who it is. So, Lord God, will you give me a sign? Will you show me? Like, I'm going to ask a question. And can you do this for me? So... He's going on the faith of his master because he didn't seen, heard, understands the thing, the things that he's seen happen through Abraham. So sometimes brothers and sisters, it ain't about you. It ain't about your friends and your families or your coworkers relationship with God. Sometimes you can bring that person to Christ and have a better, give them a better understanding of who God is simply because of your faith. Y'all didn't catch that right there because this, this servant didn't have the same, he didn't have the Abraham God relationship, but he knew without a shadow of a doubt that God was who he said he was because he didn't seen his actions through Abraham. 
He didn't see how he makes ways out of no way. How? Because he didn't see how he did for Abraham. He knows that God is a supplier of needs. Why? Not because he had a relationship with him, because he knows that Abraham had a relationship with God and the relationship that he had with God was powerful enough to where he could... His relationship spilled up. Like what it says, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Not only does your blessings touch you, but you are sometimes blessed to be a blessing. And your blessings help somebody else to get a better relationship and a closer understanding of who God is. Brothers and sisters, we have to show people who God is by how we act, how we pray, how we interact with God. Now we're going to go to verse 15 and it came to pass before he had was done speaking. Hmm. God had out. Abraham had already told him God was going to send angels to, to do what he needed him to do. He just couldn't go. So it tells us in verse 10, I mean 15 that it came to pass that before he had even done speaking to the Lord, it was already done. Hmm. That behold, Rebekah came and was born to Beth Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her picture upon her shoulders. Won't God do it? When you ask something fervently with the with earnesty, God makes ways that we can't see. He had already before this man had even finished praying, Rebecca showed up. Why? Because it had already been prepared. He went on the faithfulness and the understanding of his master. Who is our master? Jesus is our master. God is our master. The Holy Spirit is our master. And when we go knowing that they're going to prepare the way for us, there's, there's no doubt about it. It's bound to happen. It's going to happen. There is no stopping what God is going to do. And the damsel was very fair to look upon. A virgin neither had any man known her. And she went down to the well. And filled her pitcher and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said. Let me I pray thee. Drink a little water of, of thy pitcher. And she said drink my lord. And she hastened and let down her pitcher upon her hand. And gave him to drink. And when she had done giving him something to drink. She said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking. Now, won't God, I'm not saying God answers prayers immediately, but when you are in the path of God's steps that he has ordered for you, it's effortlessly. It's effortless. Stay in God's plans. Stay in God's path. Stay in God's presence. Have a intimate relationship with God. Trust in him with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but know that when he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And you, he, you might not even be able to go, but if you send somebody in your stead, knowing that God is who he says, and God does what he says he's going to do, and he will be where he says he's going to be, and he will prepare prepare the ways that he said it's gonna happen just like he said
And the man, verse 21, and the man wondering at her held his peace to with whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. And it came to pass. And so he's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to explain that verse. So he's looking, he's like, okay, this, this, okay, I believe, but this is too good to be true. Now, has the Lord really blessed me this fast? Has, is this the woman? Is, hold up now. Let, 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 let me keep on. I'm, I don't want to over, you know, over jump things. It could, she could have just been nice. God had to prove, prove who he was a little bit more. So it, and it, verse 21 and the man at verse 22, and it came to pass as the camels had done drinking that the man took a golden earring of half a shickle weight and took bracelets for her hands and 10 shickles of weight of gold. And he said, whose daughter art thou? Tell me, I pray thee, is there room in thy father's house for us to lodge in? And she said unto I am of the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, which she bore unto Nahor. Hmm. That's exactly what Abraham had told him to go. And that's exactly who God had anointed for Isaac. That is exactly where he was supposed to be when he was supposed to be there. And not only was he supposed to be there at that time, she was already, she was already on her way. She had moreover, she said moreover unto him, we have both straw and provider enough and room to lodge in. And the man bowed down his head and worshiped God. He's like, hallelujah. You know, this man was like, thank you, God, because right then and there, now his relationship with God was increased because God had not only shown him through Abraham, but he had answered his prayers. Not, come on guys, because he had went on the faithfulness. With the expectation that God was going to be who he was, not only with his master, Abraham, but also with him and show favor to his master through his obedience. So he, God had set everything up on time, precisely with immaculate precision. And he said, blessed be the Lord God of my master, Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren and the damsel ran and told them of her mother's house, these things. So he's giving praises to God and saying, thank you, God. For the things that you have done, you didn't lead me to the wrong place. You ordered my steps. Not only did you order my step, but you answered my prayers. And I don't deserve all this. But because of your relationship with Abraham, you have not only blessed me. You didn't make my journey in vain. I went to the right place, not even knowing where I was supposed to be going or if this is the place I was supposed to be at. But you did. Led me right to where I was supposed to be. And Rebecca, verse 29, and Rebecca had a brother and his name was Laban. Remember that name because it's going to come up later on. And Laban ran out unto the man, unto the well. And it came to pass when he saw the earrings and the bracelet upon his sister's hands. And when he heard the words of Rebecca, his sister saying, thus spake the man unto me and that he came unto the man and he beheld he stood by the camels at the well 
And he said, Come in, thou art blessed of the Lord. Wherefore standest thou without? For I have prepared the house and the room for the camels. So if we we can already kind of see the character of Laban. So we're going to remember our first impression right here of, of Laban and how he was when he saw what his sister had from this man and how kind he was to this man simply because of what his sister had. The bracelets of silver and gold. So remember that. Laban, that name. And he said, come in, thou art blessed. So you blessed, because I see what you done gave my sister. Come on in. You, you welcome here. Don't we got some people in our lives just like that? There are some people in our lives right now. There's some Labans in our lives. Money hungry. Ain't got nothing for you unless you got something they want. We need to watch out for the Labans. And the man came into the house and he ungirdled his camels and gave straw and provider for the camels and water to wash his feet. And the man's feet that were with the men's feet that were with him and that was set meat before him to eat. But he said, I will not eat until I have told mine errand." And he said, speak on. So he's telling them, yeah, thank you for everything that you're doing to me. But I got I'm on a mission. There is something that my master has told me to do. And right here. At this moment, God's saying, that's how we have to be. Sometimes we have to, we have to not be so concerned about ourselves, but instead God has a mission. God has a purpose. He has errands, so to speak for us to do. So let's not be so concerned about ourselves and getting ourselves completely filled with what we need. When we have what God has blessed us with, the knowledge of his grace, the knowledge of his mercy, the wisdom of his kindness, the wisdom of his word. We need to share that with something, somebody else and be on our errands because God has set forth missions for each and every one of us. We have to be more concerned about getting God's plan out there to the people instead of feeding ourselves on what they can provide for us. Let's not be like Laban. Let's be like the servant. We are servants of the most high God. Let's serve God as well as serving those around us by feeding them God's word, which is the bread of life. And so he speaks in verse 34 and he tells them, I am Abraham's servant and the Lord hath blessed my master greatly. And he is become great and he hath given me him flock and herds and silver and gold and servants, both men and women. And he's given him camels and donkeys and his wife, Sarah, my master's wife, gave him a son. And what my master has told me, he swore he had made me swear to him that I would find him, his wife, his his son, a daughter, not in the land of the Canaanites where we currently live, but to come to the land of his kindred and find him a wife and that's why i'm here he's explaining to them why he's there like i ain't here for all the the recognition i ain't here for you guys to be nice and kind to me because of what y'all see that i got my mission and my purpose is to come here and see if there's an available wife for my master's son because that's what i swore him i will come up here and do 
verse 39, I'll read it and it says, I, and I said unto my master, peradventure the woman will not follow me. What if she won't go? And he said unto me, the Lord whom I walk before will send his angels with thee and the, and prosper thy way and shall, and thou shalt take a wife for my son of my kindred and of my father's house. And in verse 41, then shalt thou be clear from this, my oath, when thou comest to the kindred. And if they give not thee one, thou shalt be clear from my oath. So he's explaining to him, okay, well, he told me to come here specifically to the land of his kindred and find his son a wife. And if you guys don't agree, he's like, but I promised him that that's what I would do. I wouldn't get him a, a wife from the Canaanites where we are currently living, but I would come here. And if y'all decided, well, no, nah, we don't have one or there's no one of age for him to take or y'all just absolutely say, no, we're not going to send anyone. Then I'm free of that promise, that bond, that contract, that covenant that I have with my master. Brothers and sisters, that's how we are now. And God is God is really revealing some things through this that I had never really seen before. But that's how it is with us. When God sends you to a place on an errand. To, to bring someone or some bodies out of the place that they're in back to the to where God wants them to be, which is in his family. Y'all didn't catch that. I didn't catch it the first time either. But when God sends you on an errand, he may send you to a land that you ain't never been before. But you got to pray earnestly and ask God to show me who it is that you want me to bring from over here. And it's the, the fact of the matter is once you've made that up with God and you do what God has asked you to do, your hands are no longer tied. If that person does not want to come unto Christ. But the fact of the matter is you got to go and at least try. Come on guys. We have to go to the places that God has sent us on an errand for and not be concerned about what they can give us. But what we have from God to present to them. This message is a lot deeper than I anticipated. But that's what happens when the Holy Spirit is in control. So now we are on verse 42. So he's still, the servant is still explaining What's going on? And he says, and I came this day unto the well and said, oh, Lord, my God, oh, Lord, God of my master, Abraham, if thou do prosper my way, which I go, behold, I stand by the well of water. And it shall come to pass that when the virgin coming forth and draw water and I say to her, give me, I pray thee a little water of thy pitcher to drink. So he's telling them his prayer, what he prayed unto the Lord and how. When he prayed that prayer, how quickly and how soon God did answer that prayer. So he's explaining to them, my master gave me a task. When I did my task, I came to the well. And when I came to the well, I prayed unto the God of my master. And what happened was this woman came, this damsel came, this young lady came. And she was the exact answer she did everything that I had been praying for. She followed every procedure that I had asked God to show me. She did every one of the tasks in which I had asked God to perform in order to show me. 
And then when I asked her who she was or where, how her family was, she told me it was y'all, you guys. Which let me know for without a shadow of a doubt that this is where I was supposed to be. He said, and, and, and before I had even finished my prayer, God had already answered it. Brothers and sisters, that's how it is a lot of times with us. We are so afraid to go to God and ask him for what it is that we need because we, we don't feel like we deserve it. We don't, well, well, Lord, I don't have a relationship with you, but I really want to have a relationship with you. But I can't see you even want to have any part of me because my past or what I've done yesterday or what I've done this morning. But God wants a relationship with us. We just have to go before, before him and ask. This, this, this young man, this, this servant of, of Abraham, he didn't have a relationship with God, but he knew enough to pray and ask God for help. Brothers and sisters, we can't be so high and mighty just because of the position we are in or just because our financial status to, to go to God for help. That's what he wants us to do to go to him for help. So the servant is explaining all these things and he's letting them know that when I, what I asked for, she did everything like down to the T. And he says in verse 48, and I bowed down my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, which had led me the right way to take my master's brother's daughter unto his son. And now if, Ye will deal kindly and truly with my master. Tell me, if not, tell me, and if not, tell me, that I may turn to the right or turn to the left. So I done told you what I'm here for. I done presented my master's case. I done told you everything that happened up until this point. So you guys, it's up to you now. Let me know. Do you, will you let her go? Is she acceptable? Can I take her with me or not? But don't, don't. Keep me waiting. Don't beat around the bush. Don't tell me one thing and then change your mind later. Let me know what I should do. Here come Laban. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The things proceeded from the Lord. We cannot speak unto thee bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before thee. Take her and go and let her be thy master's son's wife as the Lord has spoken. And it came to pass that when Abraham's servant heard their words, he worshiped the Lord, bound himself to the earth. So he's thanking God because the journey was exactly how Abraham had prophesied to him. Like, God's gonna, man, God's got you. He's like, I can't go, but God's got you. Why, he, why does he have you? Because I know that he has me and you're going for me in my stead. And you're walking in the promises that God has already told me long time ago that was going to happen. So he's going to order my steps. And because I can't step in that direction, you are, you're going to step for me. And because you're stepping for me, God's going to take care of the situation. All I need you to do is just go. Have you ever been in a situation, brothers and sisters, where you're like, God is telling you, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. Or I need you to, I need you to go over here and I need you to talk to these people. And you're like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Where am I supposed to go? Who am I supposed to talk to? What I, uh, uh, and you get overwhelmed. 
I'm pretty sure this servant was like, Master, I don't, what, I, this is, uh, whew, I just, mm, what am I supposed to, yeah, it's, can't even complete his sentences, but he still went. And when he went, God had already taken care of, God can do it by himself. He just wants you to go. Y'all don't understand. He can use anybody, but it is an honor and a privilege. And it isn't an humbling experience when God says, Hey, can you go do this for me? Oh, and it's not like I can't go, but I need you to go for me. Abraham couldn't go. God sends us because he loves us enough and he wants us to be able to bring somebody else out of darkness for him. He wants us to be able to share commune with someone else. It's not only for you, for their benefit, but it's for your benefit because you have done something pleasing for the Lord. It's like when you're, when you're younger and your mom or your dad can do a lot of things for themselves, but when they ask you specifically to do something, it's not because they can't do it. It's because they want you to do it and they know that you are going to do it great it may not be the best that they or in the in the way that they've done it or would have done it but it's the fact of the matter that you were willing to do it let's be willing to do what god needs us to do let's be willing to go where god wants us to go let's be willing to say what god needs us to say let's be willing to participate in things that god needs us to participate in let's be able to fellowship what God needs us to fellowship. It's more than just us. It's not about us all the time. It's about those who are lost. Those who needs to see the light of God. Those who are in the darkness. And it's our, the light that we have from Jesus Christ, from the Holy Spirit within us, that's going to lead them to a path that is righteous. Be used. Get up and go. And the servant brought forth jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment and gave them to Rebekah. And he gave also to her brother and to her mother precious things. 54. And they did eat and drink and he and the men that were with him and tarried all night. And they rose up in the morning and he said, send me away unto thy master. And her brother and her mother said, let the damsel abide with us a few days at the least ten, after that she can go. And he said unto them, Hinder me not, seeing the Lord hath prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. And they said, We will call the damsel and inquire at her mouth. So they called Rebekah and said unto her, Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. So they're trying to get her to stay. They're like, Yeah, she can go, but let us stay ten days. And he's like, Well, if she can go, she can go. I'm not trying to hinder the process of doing what my master asked me to do. You said yes, let's let, let's go. Don't put don't put off tomorrow what you can do today. And so they said, well, okay, we'll ask Rebecca. And Rebecca said, yeah, I'm, I'll go. And so verse fifty nine, and they they sent her away, their sister and her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men, and they blessed Rebecca and said unto her, Thou art our sister. Be thou the mother of thousands and millions, and let thy seed that let thy seeds possess the gate of those which hate them. Does that sound familiar? 
They are prophesying over the descendants of Rebekah, just like God had already. Jesus Christ had came in the in the word of God. Jesus Christ came and had already prophesied the same prophecy over Abraham's life. You will have descendants that you, you can't even count. And then they backdoor and they reiterate the same prophecy. Unknowingly to the one that Abraham got. That they blessed Rebecca with. And Rebecca rose and her damsel and they rode upon camels and followed the man. And the servant took Rebecca and went his way. And Isaac came from the way of the well. Lahah Roah. Lahari Ro. For he dwelt in the south country. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the eventide. And he lifted up his eyes and he saw and beheld the camels were coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes and when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel. For she had said unto the servants, what man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, it is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. And Isaac brought her unto his Mother Sarah's ten and took Rebecca, and she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. So here, I said we were going to do up to 25, but we're, we're going to stop there for today. And the, the, the message here today is sometimes we have to stand in the gap for others. Abraham wasn't able to go and fulfill the mission, but sometimes we have to stand in the gap for others. So he sent his, his top servant to intercede on his behalf. So for brothers and sisters, it's time for us to start standing up and interceding on behalf of others. We got brothers and we got sisters and we got uncles and aunts and kids that don't know how to pray for themselves. But it is time, brothers and sisters, that we stand up and we intercede on the behalf of those that don't know how. God has already prepared the way. Somebody just has to go. God has already opened the door. Somebody just has to go through it. We can't keep the knowledge and the understanding, the wisdom that God has bestowed upon us so kindly, so generously to us. We have to share that with others. We have to give back to our community, those children that don't even know who Jesus is, but they know who Jesus is because that's the little boy down the street or the man at the grocery store. We need to let them know who Jesus Christ is and what he done for not only me, not only for you, but for them. We need to stand in the gap for those who want to know and ask God, send us where we need to go. Order our steps. Because Lord, we can't do it without you, but we can do it with you show us where we need to go we need to do like that servant did and petition god on his promises but we can't petition god on his promises if we don't know ourselves what he said how do we know what he said brothers and sisters we have to stay in our word we have to stay in 
our Bibles, read the word of God, have a relationship with Jesus Christ ourselves. So when we see a situation, we can go to the father on the behalf of our fellow co-workers, our neighbors. We can go to Christ on behalf of our mothers, our daughters, our sons, our fathers, our grandparents. That young lady at the store, that young lady that you see while you're driving by in your car. For that drug addict, for that alcoholic, we can pray for them and ask God to lead us and direct us on how to bring them out of that darkness. Brothers and sisters, we've been in dark places ourselves. We have not always been on this pedestal or we have not always been in God's grace. We have not always been in God's mercy. We have not always walked on a path that is straight and narrow, but we have walked in the broad, but God brought us out of the broad way and took us to the narrow way. He brought us out of destruction and he took us into a path of life. Brothers and sisters, we need to fall upon our knees. We need to do what we have to do. In order to bring others to Christ. We have to walk in his ways. Talk in his ways. Behave in his ways. And learn his ways. If we are proclaimed Christians and we're doing the same thing as the world is doing. How can we stand out for our father? We can't. So it's time to re-examine ourselves. It's time to ask God to show us the places that we need to change. To help us to change because we can't do it in our own strength. But to give us his strength. That he is the potter. And every crack that he sees that we have in our vessel. Lord God, seal it up like only you can do cuz we can't seal ourselves if we're broken we can't put ourselves back together but god can so right now we're going to pray lord god we come unified we come in your presence we come as children before their father not knowing what to do no lord god we don't know what to do but you do Lord God, guide us, lead us and direct us, teach us, show us, help us to understand, help us to see, help us to be, and help us to do what it is you would have us to do. Open up our hearts, Lord God. Open up our minds, Lord God, to receive you and only you. Open up our our finances, Lord God. So that we may be able to go into places and bless those who you would have us to bless. Lord God, give us, pour down resources for us, Lord God. That we may dwell in your presence. And be able to do what you need to do. Lord, give us the words to speak to others. It's not always about finances and it's not always about what we have. Because what we have is you. And you are all that we need. You know what we stand in need of, Lord God. You know what, what, what tools we need in order to reach 
the people that you would have us reach. Lord God, we are in different regions of this world, different areas of the world, Lord God. So places I can reach, Lord God, someone else can. But you know, Lord, what we need to do and how we need to do it. Lord, build us a map and instill it in our beings. A map that we can follow in the spirit and go in the physical. Lord, we ask that you will open up doors and no man can close. We ask you to shut doors that no longer need to be opened. We ask that you to bind everything that the enemy has trying to plan against us, Lord God. We ask that you will strike it down right now. We ask that you will just be there for our children, Lord God. We ask that you will just go into their minds, pull out every inconsistency. Lord God, we ask that you will pull out every avenue of doubt. We ask that you will pull out everything that every seed that Satan has planted in their minds, Lord God. We ask that you will remove them now. We ask that you will remove every seed that he has in place in their hearts. Lord God, we ask you to remove it now. We ask you to remove all things, Lord God, all spirits and principalities that are in our children, Lord God. We ask that you will remove them right now, Lord God, and our brothers, Lord God, and our sisters and our moms and our dads. We ask that you will free our families, Lord God, of bondages that have been placed on these families for years. We ask that you will break generational curses right now, God. Remove Satan's hand. Remove the enemy's hands, Lord God. Tear down his tactics, Lord God, and let those walls never be rebuilt, Lord God. Men broken hearts. Men broken bodies. Cure diseases, Lord God. Remove cancer. Remove immune deficiencies, Lord God. We ask that you will just... Pour out your blessings and pour out your spirit of healing, Lord God. We ask that you will just do like only you can do, God, for your people. Show up in ways that no man can show up, though. We will know that without a shadow of a doubt, just like that servant at the well, that it is you, Lord God, and this is what you would have be done. We thank you now, declaring and decreeing, because we ask, Lord God, and we believe it is already done. Just like that servant when he was on his way to the well, you had already sent Rebecca, Lord God. Sent a revival, Lord God. Before we even finish this prayer, the revival is already here. Let us know, Lord God. Let us feel, Lord God. And let us mostly believe and trust in your power. In Jesus' name. In the name of Yeshua, the Messiah. We pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I pray that this message blessed each and every one of you. And that you received an anointing tonight. That you have a refreshing in your spirit, Lord. Lord God has placed something new in you. Lord, I, and, and I ask that you guys ask for the Holy Spirit. Because it is the Holy Spirit that will guide us. In the directions that we need to go. Lord. I pray and I ask. That you let each person know. That that their soul matters Lord. And I pray brothers and sisters. That you know that your soul matters to God. And you are important to him. And he loves you with an unconditional love. Like no man could ever give. Taste and see that the Lord is good. His mercies is an everlasting 
and his truth endures through all generations. Be blessed.